0: All right, all right, all right. We're going to get back to our seats this morning. Hopefully some of the dads popped open some of the pops and the popcorn. You Feel free to eat that and drink that during the message. If I just come over and stand by you, that just means I want to drink, want a handful of popcorn, and I'll keep on preaching. Is that all right? <laughs> well, this is a great day so far. How many of you are grateful for God's presence? Amen. 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 It makes all things better knowing His presence is in our life and with us. Well, let me invite you to open up your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter three. We started a series several weeks ago um, at the, near the end of May, and uh, we're going to carry on through this series through the summer. It's called the Epistles, and we're just exploring different letters in the New Testament and just um, checking out what some of those things have to say to us and how they pertain to our life today. And all of these messages are on our website, New Life Church of Jackson dot org go to sermons and you can download it uh, if you missed last week uh, it was next gen Sunday very good Sunday last week got to hear a lot of great reports about our youth our teenagers and our uh, uh, younger uh, crowd in the church about how God is moving and touching their life this summer I mean an extraordinary life changing in powerful ways just phenomenal and uh, great message last week by our student pastor it was called hometown swag uh, yeah yeah, what what a what a, uh, a, just a fire breathing message last week that uh, was so challenging and so good to us uh, for us. So today we are in Philippians chapter three. Let me turn your attention to chapter. Uh, excuse me, verse twelve. This is the Apostle Paul. He wrote this to the church and to the believers in Philippi. He Says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Verse 13 No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Can everybody say this one thing? thing. Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us upward. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today and what you have already done in our hearts and lives. And thank you now for your word, God. I pray as we open it, read it, and listen to it, it'll do what it's supposed to do and transform our life. That it would upgrade our thinking. It would upgrade our belief. It would upgrade our faith and it would make our eyesight better so that we can truly and clearly see you in the way we need to and the way you see us through the eyes of love. God, bless this time, bless this word, and let it land on good soil, I pray, in our hearts and in our lives. We honor you and we thank you now in Jesus' name. You can say amen. Amen. So Paul's getting to this thing, this one thing that he's getting at. And that's actually what I've titled today's message, this one thing. But before you get to what he's describing, this one thing, we've got to backtrack for a few minutes and go to the beginning of Philippians 1. Look at what he says here in Philippians 1. Verse 1, it says, This letter is from Paul and Timothy, his spiritual son, slaves of Christ Jesus. He says, I'm writing to all of God's holy people, ...in Philippi who belonged to Christ Jesus... ...including the elders and the deacons. So he's writing this to all believers who are in Christ... And he, ...and he adds, and including the elders and the deacons. I thought that was kind of odd... ...that he would also put, and including the elders and the deacons. Perhaps it's because the elders and the deacons... ...also need to be reminded of what God has to say. I and mean, they too have not arrived to the point of perfection either. So he says, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ... ...give you grace and peace... And I love this part. It goes to verse 3. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. That'll change our perception about people, won't it? Every time we think of somebody, thank God for them. Verse 4, whenever I pray, I make requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. In verse 6, and he says, and I am certain, I am confident, I am persuaded... I have no doubt in my mind, he's saying, that God, who began the good work within you, everybody say good work, that he will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Paul is beginning the, the, uh, this letter with letting the believers in Christ Jesus know and the leaders that, hey, God is at work in your life. Friend, that's a good thing to know. It's a good thing to be reminded that God is not finished with me yet. That I am still a work in progress. I'm not where I used to be and I may not be where I need to be, but I'm so glad I'm on the way. Amen? So glad I'm on the way. And that God is faithful and just to to me. And He is faithful and just to you. So Paul is getting right off the bat. God is at work in you who believe. And it's not just any work, it is a good work There is a good work. He who began this good work in you, he will continue it. That's good news that God does not stop when we stutter. God does not stop when we fall. God does not get scared when we make those mistakes. Because he knows he is so much greater and more faithful and better than we could ever be on our own. And as long as we are allowing him to continue his work, that the good news is it says he will finish it on the day that Jesus Christ returns. So God will not finish until Christ Jesus comes. When we meet Jesus face to face, that is when his perfect work in our life is finally complete. There, somebody say, he's still working on me. He's still working on me. And so he, what is he working Uh, Chapter 2, 13, look at this. Philippians 2, 13, he says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. God is at work in you to give you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. The desire, the want to, the power, the ability. So God is doing a good work in you, and He will continue it until Christ Jesus comes back or calls you home. And here's the thing, to give you the desire and the ability to do what pleases Him. So the pressure is off of us, and it's all on Him. God the Father, God Almighty, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, working through the power of the Holy Spirit to ensure that what God has started, He will finish. So on our bad days, when we feel like, man, I really blew it, I'm really, I really messed it up. I've made some bad choices. Things are not so great. Remember, what God has started, He will finish. That He's not done with you. There's nothing you can do that's greater than what He can tra- change and transform in your life if you let Him. If you turn to Him and you let Him and you look to Him, you put your faith and belief in Him, God will continue His work in your life to give you the desire, the want to, and the ability to do what pleases Him. So what pleases God? Well, I think part of what, what pleases God, Paul talks about in the beginning of chapter 2. I'm, I've, I've decided to change gears from this translation and go to the message version. So we're going to look at it here, unless you've got it on your phone or you've got the message Bible. Chapter 2, verse 1. Here's what Paul says in the message version. He says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if His love has made any difference in your life, If being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside. Help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Verse 14, do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted. A breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. In this squalid and polluted, this foul, repulsive, wretched, miserable, degraded society. I'm not making people feel bad. It's just we live in a tough time. We live in an aching society. We live in, in a time where people literally are in turmoil. People get mad over the smallest things these days. It seems like the enemies at, at such warp speed in people's lives to just trigger... Things ...and cause people to just get upset... ...cause people to just lose it... ...cause people to go crazy. I mean, it's nuts, right? But what's he telling us to do? Be a breath of fresh air. Then he says, provide people with a glimpse of good living... ...and of the living God. It's not our job to change people. It's our job to provide a glimpse of the living God in our life... ...so that God can get into their hearts. And it's God working in people that changes people... Amen. You and I can't change people. We can, work, we, can, we can talk to people till we're blue in the face and try to get them to change and try to make them change, try to force them to change, try to give ultimatums and make them change. But what we've got to do, like this family did today, give them to the Lord. Give them to the Lord. Pray for them. As Paul opened up in chapter one, praying for people, giving them to the Lord, surrendering that situation to God, and let give God a chance to work. Give God room to work in somebody else's heart, in someone else's life. Because I'm telling you this, God is way better at working in a heart than we could ever be. He's a way maker, he's the game changer, he's the chain breaker. He is it. He can do it. So Paul says, provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night... ...so I'll have a good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I didn't go to all this work for nothing. Amen. So what is Paul getting at? He said, God is at work in you to give you the want to and the ability to do what pleases God. What part of what pleases God in essence as believers in the church, love and serve each other. Amen? Let's love and serve each other. In the church, Christians, believers, let's love and serve each other, regardless of skin color, regardless of looks, regardless of socioeconomic status, educational achievements, regardless of where we live or where we work. Amen? Christians, let's love and serve each other. And in the world, when you get up and you go out into your day, be a breath of fresh air to somebody. Show people a glimpse of the living God. Now here's where it gets a little tricky. How do we do that? What keeps us from being able to really be faithful and energetic and obedient to doing that? Well, I think Paul gets to it in chapter 3, at the opening Scriptures. In Philippians 3, verse 13, he says... He prefaces that by saying, I haven't arrived. I haven't achieved it. I haven't gotten there. I'm not perfect at doing this thing either. That's He's not coming from the high horse talking down. He's not coming from the pedestal, pedestal talking down. He's coming from, 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 from right there, level ground, saying, Look, I haven't gotten there either. I haven't achieved it all either. I'm not perfect in this thing either, but here's what I do. This one thing. And church, this is what I want to leave you with today. This one thing. Can you say this one thing? This one thing that's got three layers to it. This one thing that has three layers to it. He says, here's what I do. This one thing is what I focus on, and that is this. I forget the past. Because as as long as you and I as believers, we continue to live in the past, dwell on the past, think about the past, the past causes us to slow down and to get caught up in our own turmoil, in our own mess. What lies behind forgetting the past? If, if I had to say this is probably one of the greatest things that Christians battle the most is forgetting the past. Because you'll go through something, you have a conversation, you'll be in a, in a scenario and something will trigger a thought from the past that's not very good, not very pleasant, didn't turn out right left you disappointed, left you discouraged, right? All those things left you disheartened, so forget the past. He said, this one thing I focus on, I forget the past, my past mistakes. Nobody in here has past mistakes, I understand that, we're good. Our sins, our shortcomings, our faults. And here's what I want to say to that. If it's under the blood of Jesus, meaning you have repented, then it has no power to resurrect itself. And if, that, if you want that to apply to your own life, which it does, then you also got to have faith to believe it, it applies to somebody else and to not constantly bring up the old, dirty, nasty past. Well, remember when you... Well, I remember how you... Well, just like that, you used to... Right? We don't want that happening to us, but we do that to others. And Paul's saying, look, you're called to be a breath of fresh air. ...to this world. You're called to love and serve each other. You're called to show this world a glimpse of the living God. But what happens more than that should... ...is that you constantly remember the past. And Paul say, look, I know. I'm one who could talk about it. He, he opens up the entire chapter 3 of talking about his past. The good and the bad. And he's like, but here's the one thing I have to focus on. i got to forget the past. I have to forget the past... Because the past, if it's under the blood of Christ, has no power to resurrect itself and carry on into our future. We have to carry the words of Psalm 103, the, uh, the words of David, who said, "As far as the east is from the West." Psalm 103:12, "As far as the east is from the West. so as far He has removed our transgressions from us." That's not just talking about geographical direction. Here's what Paul here's what David had in his mind. Look at this picture here. Here's what David had in his mind when he penned those words in Psalm 103 verse 12. That's a picture, that's a rough draft of the picture of the layout of the tabernacle. And the priest, whenever they the priest here should know that not to stand in front of a Speaker. I'm so professional at this job. It says, as far as the east is from the west. Here's what happens. The priest would go into the temple. The altar of sacrifice. The blood washing, going through, carrying on, getting to the most holy place where the presence of God dwelt. And only the high priest would go in. He would do that. As far as the east is from the west, he would. the priest represented the, the people of God carrying their sins before ...before the Lord on their behalf... ...and He would carry their sins all the way through... ...and He would get to the presence of God... ...and by the time you got to the west... ...those transgressions have been removed. So as far as the east is from the west... ...so you have removed our transgressions from us. It's not about a geographical direction... ...it's about the direction that your life is to travel in the Lord. And so as far as the east is from the west... ...you come to God... You bring your sacrifice, you bring your sin, you bring your shortcoming, you bring your fault, he and you mean it, and you, and you repent. He forgives you, and you don't have to stand up and walk away from there with all of that on you anymore. You can literally be forgiven and be free. And as far as the east is from the west, he has removed it from you. So Paul, understanding that, uh, that, that, that theology from, the, from way back when with David, he understands today to you and I, forget the past... Forget about it, right? Just forget about it. He said, This one thing, forget the past. Number two, he says this this one thing I do, and that is I look or I strain forward to what lies ahead. I look and I strain forward to what lies ahead. You got to make yourself look ahead and not look back. You got to make yourself look ahead and not look back. To focus and aim yourself. So what God is calling you to have expectation and hope that what God has before you is greater than anything you've ever had to experience that's behind you. So I'm so glad He gives me a future and a hope. That's what he tells us in Jeremiah. And that's what he told the children of Israel when things were really bad in their day and time and they were in Babylon captivity. All they could see was where they were stuck at. God was saying, I'm going to bring you out of this and I'm going to give you a future and a hope, a, a future that I create for you and a hope that I give you. And life is going to turn around for you so long as you continue to look to me. And that's the guarantee we have with the Lord if we will continue to look to him, it gives us hope and it gives us expectation that there are greater things that God still wants to do in our life down the road. But he says, this one thing, Paul said, this one thing, I haven't arrived, I'm not perfect, I, I I haven't been so great in it as well, but here's this one thing I do, I look ahead, I look forward, I strain to look ahead at what lies in front of me. And he said, don't, and here's what I'd like to say to that is, don't be like Lot's wife in Genesis 19 God was had been creating a whole new a whole new beginning for Abraham and his family and Lot and his family and they were caught up in Sodom and Gomorrah and God was destroying those places and God was providing a way out just like he does today he provides a way of escape when it looks overwhelming and the temptations are strong God always provides a way out through his son Jesus Christ and he gives you a way out. He was providing a way out, but it, and he gave, the angel gave specific instructions. As you go, don't look back. Now what is the harm of just saying, adios? Did <laughs> <laughs> I say it right? <laughs> adios. <laughs> See you later. What is the harm in that? Well, you would think there's no harm unless God specifically says, don't look back. And when he tells us here, don't, Look back. What happened to Lot's wife? She didn't even get a name in the Bible. And more than that, here's what happened. It said she became a pillar of salt. And that definition of those words together means easily pulverized and dissolved. Because she looked back... Because she looked back... (laughs) I'm just going to preach to these three here. It builds my self-esteem and my ego. Make me feel like I could conquer anything. She became a pillar of salt, easily dissolved and pulverized. So, because she looked back, she completely could not go forward because she was stuck there and her life was over, dissipated. She gave up her destiny... For a glimpse of what she was having to give up. You see, and the enemy is a trickster, and he likes to make you think that what you're giving up is better than what God has to offer you. And so when you look back and you think, man, I got to give all that crap up. Pardon my French, I got to give all that stuff up. (laughs) Yeah, you got to quit talking like that, preacher. He ain't, he's not finished with me yet. Still working on me, guys, okay? Still working on me. And the enemy would like to make you think, man, look at all the things you're going to miss just because you're going that way. But it's such deception. And it was such deception to Lot's wife. She thought, man, we've got to give all this up. I'm going to miss that place. But what you don't understand is you're about to step into so much freedom. So much freedom. As hard as it was, as difficult as it was, as challenging as it was. And don't, don't, don't misunderstand this. The enemy has strings attached to all that stuff. And so you, this one thing, forget the past. This one thing, don't look back, but look ahead concentrate on what lies ahead. You may not see it all clearly. I get it. You may be asking, well, how is God going to make this? How is God going to... How can God... And you don't know the answer, but you got to trust Him and move forward. Look ahead that what God has ahead of me is sure better than what is behind me. Amen. And it may break your heart. It, 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 may, it may do some of that stuff to you, but all that is is your soul dying. ...to the old stuff that you don't need in your new life. And Christians, we're good at picking up stuff along the way in our path... ...even as followers of Christ, things we don't need. We can, If we're not careful, we'll pick up the wrong habits. And we think, man, I don't really have an issue with that. But you'll be surprised when you go through some things... ...and you realize, man, that still has a hold on me, right? And Paul says, forget the past, look ahead. And number three, this one thing he says, I press on... I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us upward. I press on. This one thing I do, I press on. And here's what that means to run swiftly and pursue in order to catch. So when you're running, you're running with a purpose. When you press on, that's what he's saying. You're running swiftly to pursue in order to catch. To catch what? To catch the end and to lay hold of what God has for you. That you're going to run like a crazy person. You're going to run as if the whole world were chasing you down to take you out... ...because they, 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 they may run after you, but they cannot catch you... ...so long as you keep running in God's direction. And you might feel faint and you might feel out of breath... But the Scripture teaches us those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up and soar like the eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. And even in the New Testament, Paul tells us, hey, don't grow weary in well-doing. Friend, Christian, I need to tell you this, that you get tired and doing the right thing, don't stop doing the right thing. Because doing the right thing is always the right thing. And the enemy's going to make you feel like doing the right thing is the wrong thing because of the way it makes you feel sometimes. Because it's doing the right thing oftentimes is the hard thing. But it's still the right thing. Right? Yeah. I mean, that just applies to all things. So here's the thing. Paul says, one thing, this one thing, I press on. I press on. I want what God has waiting for me. I don't want to forfeit it and I don't want to give it up. I don't want God's thing for my life to be second to to what I want. I want what He wants above all things. So push forward in faith through prayer and persistence. Because here's the thing, your calling in God is upward. God always calls us up. God always calls us up. And the quickest way to get up is to get down. I don't mean dance, you know. I'm feeling it right now, but no, I'm not. I'll I'll save the embarrassment. The quickest way up is down, humility. Peter teaches us, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that in due time He will, what, exalt you. He will raise you. He will bring you up. ...humility is the direction to go up. Pride makes you go down when you think you're going up. But pride always takes us down. Pride comes before a fall. Proverbs teaches us that. So Paul writes this letter in great humility... He writes it from prison. That'll teach humility. Not for, you know, boosting a horse or a chariot or anything like that, just for preaching the gospel is what he was in, in prison for. How's that popcorn and <laughs> soda pop? It's all gone. Nobody's chewing, nobody's drinking. You're done. I didn't hear any burps or any of that, so... All right. I don't have this for the screen, but I want to read it to you... ...and then we'll close with this. Hebrews chapter 12, if you're taking notes. Hebrews 12, verse 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith... ...let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Run with endurance. It says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross, disregarding its shame, And now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. I think one of the greatest travesties of humanity is when we give up. When we stop fighting. When we stop trying when we stop exerting any kind of effort in the ways of the Lord. Because I think our minds, through the enemy's tricks, place tricks on us to get us to think, you are never going to change. You're never going to get it right. You see all the mistakes you've made? Yeah, they're just going to keep happening. Why even bother looking in God's direction? When all you're going to do is continue to make mistake after mistake. You're going to fall and fall and fall and trip and trip and trip. And I think one of the greatest travesties of, of humanity is this, is when the person gives up. I taught a Bible college class once when I was in Memphis, and in one of the classes one day, I I blew all the notes off the table, and I I said, here's what I want to tell you guys. (laughs) Little did I know what this really meant. I thought I knew what this meant. (laughs) I'd gone through some things, but man, I'd gone through some other things that I've gone through. And that is this, I told him, I said, to speech Winston Sir Winston Churchill gave. And he expounded a little bit, but he, he really kept it brief to at this in this uh, particular speech. And he, he said these words never, ever give up. Never ever give up. We have such a huge cloud of witnesses who have made it, who did not give up, who cheer us on. Witnesses you and I don't even know. But all of heaven is on our side. So all of the witnesses and the saints who have gone before and who are there, they're looking over the banister rail of heaven, I believe, and they're looking at the people who are still alive on this planet And they're saying, you can make it. You can do it. Don't give up. Whatever it is you're dealing with, you're wrestling with, you're struggling with, I think they would tell us this, just let it go. Because it's not worth it to get here. To sacrifice what we have, what is waiting for you, it's not worth it. And friend, Paul, if there's anyone who could speak from the side of humanity, it's Paul when he wrote this letter and when he told him, look, I'm not perfect in all of this. I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not perfect at loving and serving one another. I'm not perfect at, at being a, fre- a breath of fresh air to the world or any of that, but here's what I, I need to tell you is this one thing, this is what I do, this is what keeps me going, this is what charges me, this is what makes me get up, and this is what makes me move. This one thing, forget the past... This one thing I look ahead, this one thing I press on because no matter what, I'm never going to be good enough on my own. But with God in me, working in me to produce the desire and the ability to do what He wants me to do that brings Him pleasure, as long as I let Him at work in my life, then I'm going to get where He needs me to get to and I'm going to be who He's called me to be, amen? And whatever dynamic that may be in life, as a parent, as a worker, as a person, as a preacher, whatever it is that God has set before you, this one thing, don't stop letting God work in your life. Because the day you stop letting Him work is the day you give up. And when you give up, you forfeit all of the things that He has set before you. The journey may be difficult at times. The journey may be steep at times. The terrain may be rocky at at times. Trust the hand of God to lead you, to guide you, to guard you, to keep you, and to protect you. And He will. Amen. Amen. Can I pray for you this morning, or now it's noon? Amen. Let's bow our heads. God, you have done so many good things in our life, and today you is just a reminder that the name of Jesus is powerful. It's greater than anything. Nothing compares to the name of Jesus. And if our lives are under the lordship of Jesus Christ, then we have the most powerful name working on our behalf. Lord, we want to continue to let you work in our life. And I pray today that we would never lose the desire to at least allow you and want you to work in us. I know sometimes, God, we give you limitations as if that could stop you. We put up walls as if that could prevent you. But Lord, deep in our heart, I pray all of us would have the desire to truly let you work in us. Because it's a good work, and you will see it through, and you will not make mistakes. We do, but you don't. We fall, but you don't. You allow us and pick us back up. Thank you for that. And today I pray if anyone feels low and anyone who feels like they have fallen and they don't feel like man, I don't know if I can make it. Today, right now, by your Spirit, I pray you would infuse hope. You would infuse a desire. You would cause the eyes of that person to look up to you and everything surrounding them would be invisible and they would see your hand reach down and pull them up today we call on you, O oh God, we call on you the name of Jesus that saves us, the name of Jesus that delivers us, the name of Jesus that heals us, the name of Jesus that delivers us, the name of Jesus that rescues us, the name of Jesus that looks out for us, the name of Jesus that forgives us, the name of Jesus that is there for us, Jesus, you could, just say that name, Jesus. Jesus. Just say Jesus. 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 Amen. Amen. Church, I love you. It's a privilege to be a part of your life, a privilege to pastor you, a privilege to be with you in life. I've not arrived, as you know. But I thank God for a loving and forgiving church body. Amen. Can we give Jesus a hand?